Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. You have your Bibles, Bibles, Bibles. Turn to the book of Romans. I hope you bring your Bibles to church. I hope you take notes. I hope you document what the Lord is speaking and how he's encouraging you. We believe that history makers are note takers. That's right. So I want you to write down a few things. As we kick off this series, More Than Conquerors, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. So turn to Romans chapter 8. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of runway. Because as we, as we step into this first verse in Romans 8, I want you to know what's happening in Romans 1 through 7, okay? To give you a little runway, Romans 1 through 7, here's the backstory. Paul is writing this letter to the church, and he's telling them that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Can I have a good amen? When we're born into this world, we're born with a sin nature. We're not good people who occasionally do bad things, but by nature, we're bad people who occasionally do good things. And left to our own choices, we can make a mess of things. How many of you know you either were a mess, you are a mess, or you're one bad decision away from making a mess? Everybody say, thank you, Lord. And so Paul recognizes that. He says we are sinners in need of a Savior, and he talks about salvation is something that we receive by grace through faith. It's not something we earn. It's not something we achieve. We can't behave our way into a relationship with the Lord. Our salvation was taken care of by Jesus on the cross. He did all the heavy lifting. For you and I to have a relationship with the God of the universe, there was only one way that could happen, and that was through Jesus. And now, now that we have this new spirit inside of us, our behavior is now changing to match our new character, okay? So Paul says this in the first few chapters of Romans. And it's interesting because in Romans chapter 7, he talks about a tension between flesh and spirit. Flesh, it's that, that sinful part of your nature. When you, when you were born, it, you naturally gravitated into selfish living. Our flesh wants to please itself. But when we said yes to Jesus, there was a new spirit that we received. Can I have a good amen? It was a little slice of heaven that God placed inside of us. There was an awakening of God within us, and our spirit is that part that loves to do what pleases God. Our flesh is the side of us that pleases ourselves, but our spirit is what we were created for, and it longs to please God. How many of you have ever felt like at a time in your life there were two people living inside of one body? Paul said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I try to stay away from, I end up going to. How many of you know the struggle is real? Paul, it talks about the struggle within the life of the believer. So there's this tension, there's this war between spirit and flesh. And so it brings us to Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Paul says, there is therefore, somebody say therefore. Anytime in scriptures you see the word therefore, you need to know what it's there for. 
So I told you Romans 1 through 7. Therefore, now Romans chapter 8, there is now no condemnation. Somebody say no condemnation. Mm, See, the world tries to put shame on you, but God puts his name on you. He says you're not condemned. There is no condemnation. But wait a second, who's he talking to? For those who are in Christ Jesus. When your life is hidden in Christ, you're not condemned. But he says in verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. He speaks of laws now, and it's amazing to me how the Old Testament gave us a lot of instruction, but the New Testament, you see almost a new paradigm. There's a new spirit. Jesus introduces, he takes a complicated religious structure, and he simplifies it. He says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could never do. By sending his own son. Now, I want you to underline that or circle that phrase. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law, there's that word law again, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in In other words, there are certain things that the law requires. There are certain demands that the law imposes upon us, but that was fulfilled when God sent his own son. So, and he finishes by saying, for those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? You know, in these four short verses, this introduction to Romans chapter 8, I think we find fascinating information. I mean, there are are godly principles that are going to direct us as a church, direct our families, but I really feel like it's going to encourage us as men. I want to speak to the dads, but I want to wrap my arms around everybody in the room because I believe that if we are more than conquerors, hyper-Nike, we don't just win, but we win, we win with overwhelming victory. Sometimes the games that, that are most fun to watch are the games that go down to the wire, the nail biters. The, it's in peril. Maybe it goes into overtime or extra innings, and then there's the walk-off home run, or there's the shot at the buzzard in double overtime. And Man, those are thrilling and exciting, the, the matches that are so even and so close. Those are the, 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 the fun games to watch. But the fun games to play are the blowout games where you just, I mean, you walking up in the gym, they're playing your song, you're warming up, and you feel like, oh, yeah, baby, it is on. My crossover's working today. Uh, uh, uh. And everything you shoot finds the bottom of the net. And, man, you're up by 20 at the half. And, man, third quarter rolls around and coach is putting in everybody. And you're sitting on the bench just laughing with your boys because you didn't just win. You dominated. And I believe the Scripture says as dads, we can be dads who dominate. We can be dads who don't just get by, not just struggling to keep our family together, to keep our sanity, to scratch out a living, but in Christ. Come on now. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. This passage gives us three or four things, and I want to talk to you about them. Dads who dominate, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the first thing is 
These are dads who stay in the game. They're in the game. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the game. Oh, man, you can't win if you don't play. Man, when the ball goes up, you've got to be in between the lines. You've got to be participating. The scripture says in verse 3, by sending his own son. Hear me, church. We serve a heavenly father who has always been in the game. He didn't just create the game and give us the rules. But at every moment in history, we see God the Father pursuing us. He's a father that's involved. He's dialed in. He's engaged. He wants a relationship with you and with me. I mean, think about it. If you know your biblical history, the children of Israel were enslaved for 400 years. As they they toiled and labored in Egypt under the harsh task of Pharaoh, God heard the cry of his people, and God got in the game through a burning bush. In that bush that was burning but not consumed, it got the attention of Moses, and God began to speak to Moses. How many of you know we have a father that's in the game? He's not saying, well, I'm going to see if you can figure this one out. You messed it up. Now you got to make the most of it. He says, no, I'm getting involved. And then when Moses led the Israelites across the Red Sea and they were in the wilderness, God said, you know what? I'm going to guide you. I'll be a cloud by day and a fire by night. You follow that cloud, and when the cloud moves, you move. Watch what I do. If you follow me, I will bring, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you follow me, I will bring you into a place of freedom. You see, we serve a God, a Father, who doesn't just love us from a distance, but he's in the game. If you fast forward from that time, hundreds of years, and you, you begin to see when the Babylonians came, and during the Babylonian captivity, there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they stood up for their faith. I'm going to tell you this. If you stand before God, he'll stand with you. They threw these boys into the fiery furnace. There were three of them, but wait a second. The fourth man looks like the son of God. Guess what? God himself showed up in that fire. Not only was he in a burning bush, a cloud by day and a fire by night, but he's there in the fiery furnace now 2,000 years ago in the little town of Bethlehem one sleepy night while the world was totally unaware, a baby was born. God is in the game. He says, you know what? Man can't fix this one. I'm going to get involved. Now, when it came to the issue of our sin, he didn't leave it to a man. He became man. Come on. And when he laid down his life and and he, he picked it up again three days later and ascended into heaven, you say, well, where is God now? Well, he gave us the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit upon 120 believers. And from the beginning of time until now, we have always served a God who has been in the game. As dads, he challenges us to do the same. Now, I'll be honest with you. uh, When it comes to the dad scorecard, I don't always do well. Men, sometimes we get busy, do we not? I mean, we're, we're working. We're laboring. I mean, part of our responsibility to our family is to resource our family. We are providers. But sometimes I get in a mode where I I get busy, I get preoccupied, I get distracted, and things are happening in my home, and I've got to be conscious to dial in. I've got to not just get in the game. I've got to stay in the game. How many know it's easy to check out? 
And some of you, maybe your dad was an absent father. And so for you to be in the game as a dad, you don't even know what that looks like. Maybe you've never had the example set before you. Your dad was not involved, not, I mean, totally disconnected. Maybe he was hurt by his father or his grandfather. And so for generations now, dad has been absent. He's been emotionally checked out. You see, the devil will do everything he can to keep you on the sidelines. Come on now. We live in a world that's trying to push dad out. But God is saying, dad, I have called you. I have anointed you. I have positioned you. I have put you in the game. And when dad's in the game, how many of you know there's a difference? Let's dial. I got to stay dialed in. You know, sometimes when my kids were small, I thought about this this week. When my kids were small and they were talking to me, if I didn't look at them, they would take their little hands, put it on my cheek, and turn my face toward them and go nose to nose. Come on, how many of your kids have done the same? I'm sharing something with you. It's so important. Look at me. Look at me. And they would, we would go nose to nose and eye to eye, and their, their hands would be on my face, and they wanted me to, 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 to share and experience what was most important to them. Fellas, if we're going to dominate as dads, we got to be dialed in. We've got to be dialed in. Rachel has corrected me. Back in the day, I would, at the end of a, a long day of work, I would come home, and I would walk in the door on my cell phone. Somebody say, uh-oh. How many of you know mama put a stop to that real fast? Hey, listen, Mr. Preacher Man. She, she knows how to press them buttons. Hey, Preacher Man, I know you're busy changing the world. I know you got important things going on. But when you walk in this house, you better have that conversation. There are days that I sit in my driveway for 15 minutes. Okay, okay, I lo- yeah, yeah, okay, I love you. God bless you. I got to go now. I, when I walk in my house, I want my wife and my children to know that they're the most important things to me. Get in the game. You see, proximity creates passion. When I'm close and I'm involved, I'm passionate. See, but sometimes distance creates distortion. And our distance could be misinterpreted. Our kids may think, well, dad doesn't care. Dad's not around. I know dad's super busy. I don't want my kids to ever feel like that I can't press pause on what I'm doing to pay attention to what's important to them. You know, my dad, growing up, and I used to think, because my, my whole world was sports. It was basketball, baseball, football, whatever the sport was, man, that was life. I would eat, sleep, drink, breathe it. I mean, and I thought my dad loved sports as much as me. I mean, it wasn't until later in life that I realized, wait a second, because I mean, my dad was at all of my games. Man, we, we would throw the baseball in the backyard. We would shoot free throws. I remember I would, I would have a free throw contest with my dad, and, man, he would just wear me out until the day that I beat him. How many know that's a big day right there? And then all my friends knew, and mama knew, and everybody knew that daddy went down that day. And I just thought that my dad was so into sports. It wasn't until later in life that I realized, wait a second, my dad doesn't have an athletic bone in his body. I called my dad up and said, hey, Dad, did you see the LSU baseball game? Man, extra innings. It went to the, the bottom of the 11th. We, we won on a walk-off. He's like, well, who scored the touchdown? <laughs> dad, baseball is home runs. Football is touchdowns. I mean, it never dawned on me 
that he didn't really care a thing about sports. Guess what? He cared about me. And because I love sports, my dad loved me. Guess what? He put himself in the game. Sports was my world. It wasn't his world. But you know what he did? He jumped into my world and owned it like it was his. See, when we get in the game, we listen. Dads that are in the game, they ask questions. They adjust their schedules. They're intentional with their time. How many of you know our kids are growing up fast? Oh, my goodness. These moments, they don't last. Make the most of the time that God has given you. If you dial into your kids when they're young, they'll dial into you when you're old. And guess what? Your kids are picking your nursing home. Mm -hmm. And I said in the first service, your funeral home as well. The Bible says God sent us Jesus, his own son. God has always, at every moment in history, been pursuing us. We serve a father who's in the game. Now look at what it says, verse 1. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Dads who dominate not only stay in the game, but number two, be a coach and not a referee. Hmm. You see, there's no condemnation. Now, you say, Mike, what are you talking about? You know, a referee has one responsibility, and that's to the rules. Referee only cares about the rules. His whole purpose is to enforce the rule. And thank God for refs. You need rules to play the game. But we need more coaches. We need dads who are coaches. They understand the rules, but they're more committed to the players than they are to the rule book. Come on now. Mm -mm. You see, a ref wears the stripes and blows the whistle every time there's a foul. A coach will see a foul and call a timeout. Hey, come on, come over here. Now let me help you. Let me instruct you. The ref only wants to catch you doing wrong, but a coach will help you do what's right. And as dads, come on, if you believe that, put your hands together. And as dads... We need to be more coaches than we are referees. If the only time our children hear from us is when they're doing wrong, they think he's just blowing the whistle, and I, I, can't, do it, I can't do it right. I bring home a report card. I've got five A's, and i got one B, and my dad only talks about the B. Well, wait, my dad only notices when I mess up. And sometimes we put pressure on our kids to perform when a coach says, hey, I see where you are, and I'll love you right there, but I'll help move you to where you need to be. You see, a ref will officiate, but a coach will motivate. And our kids, we, we need to find what motivates our children. And I'm a big words of affirmation guy. And every day that I lived, my father told me how much he loved me and believed in me. And I think four of the most important words you will ever hear are, I believe in you. I think we need to catch our kids doing what's right and celebrate that. It's not to say that we ignore what's wrong. I mean, but this is the difference between law and grace. Paul told the church, for thousands of years you've been under the law, but Jesus came not to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. Aren't you thankful that you live not under the law, but under grace? You see, grace is not ignorant to sin or mistake, but grace gives you the power to do what pleases the Lord. It's grace that motivates. Come on now. 
Aren't you glad that, 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 that every time you sin, you don't have to offer an animal sacrifice? Yeah, wouldn't that be bad? If every time, if every time I sin, just me, I'm not talking about you, but if every time I sin, I had to offer an animal sacrifice, I mean, there'd be like cats missing. Come on, somebody. Where'd little Fifi go? Oh, I had a bad night last night. <laughs> and that, look, if you love cat, all the cat lovers, please don't send me a nasty email. God bless you. Everybody say, God bless. Little Fifi. I just don't like cats. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to offer a goat or a bull or a ram or a calf. There had to be the shedding of blood. There was requirements. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and those Ten Commandments became 613 laws. And out of those laws, then man made things like two, over 2,000 rules and regulations. That's a lot of do's and don'ts. But then here comes Jesus, and he simplifies everything. He says, if you'll love God and you'll love people, that's it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you can just do those two things, you have fulfilled all the law and all the prophets. You see, God took a religious system that was complicated, and he simplified it. And then he gave us a thing called grace. And he says, now you are not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation. Let's be coaches and let's put the whistle down. I mean, no, 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 don't get me wrong. In parenting, we have to discipline our kids. But there's a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment says you need to pay. Discipline says you need to grow. See, my dad, and I told you this, he was a, a teacher for over 30 years, and literally at my house we had what was called the Board of Education. I promise. It was about three foot long, and it had a rubber handle so he could grip it. A little red schoolhouse painted on it. It said the Board of Education. And there were many times that Board of Education met my seat of learning. And dad would say, son, we need a little powwow. Dad would go, pow! I would go, wow. <laughs> now, Mama, your spankings never hurt. Never. I'm sorry to tell you this. You beat us with a fly swatter. It didn't hurt. But when you told us, do you want me to tell your father when he gets home? Then it kind of hurt a little bit. Dad was the enforcer. But listen, I knew that my dad loved me. And so discipline came out of love. Are you with me? Be a coach and not a referee. Let me, let me read this to you, verse 4. The Bible says the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Here's the third thing. For dads who dominate, not only is it for us to stay in the game, to be a coach and not a referee, but number three, I want you to know there are no tryouts necessary. You don't have to try out. Some of you, and I just feel by the Spirit of God, I want to minister to a few of you right now. Because some of you, your whole life, have been under the pressure to perform, to get the love and approval that your heart longs for from your Father. And maybe it was, uh, if you jump through enough hoops, 
if you can make enough money, if you can make the good grades, if you can keep the clean room, if you can stay out of trouble, if you did enough, then you would earn the approval that your heart has always longed for. And can I tell you this? In the kingdom of God, you do not have to try out. There is no performance. When it comes to salvation, Jesus did all the work that was necessary. He did it all. And so what do we do? We simply receive. The the Bible says that all the requirements of the law were fulfilled by Jesus. You know what's fascinating to me is that when Jesus was baptized at the end of Matthew chapter 3, this is before he started his earthly ministry. He had never performed a single miracle. He had never taught a single sermon. He had done zero. Up until this point, he was simply a son. And when he was baptized by John, he comes up out of the water. And we hear these words from his father. This is my son. The son that I love, in him I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done a single thing. This is my son. That's identification. The one that I love, that's validation. I am well pleased in him. That's affirmation. Do you know you can get identification, validation, and affirmation from your heavenly Father? And it doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't. See, the Bible speaks of a father that had two sons. There was an older brother who worked, but a younger brother that took his inheritance and rolled. It's the story of the prodigal. And after he had wasted all of his money on crazy living and poor decisions, the thought finally hit him, wait a second, I had it better back at my father's house. So you know what he did? He said, I got a great idea. I'll go home, but I'll say, Dad, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. If I can just serve and work for you, working for you is better than playing out here. And so he makes his journey home. The Bible says when he was a long way off, his father saw him ran to him, hugged him. The boy's trying to make the speech, but the father will have none of it. No, no, no. Bring the ring. Bring the robe. Bring the sandals. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. And here this son is in all of his mess, receiving the love of his father. Hear me, church. You are a son by birth and not by worth. Can I say that again? What makes us sons and daughters of God? It's by birth. We are born again. It's not what we've earned. It's not the mistakes that we've made or how much scripture that we know. None of that even matters. Let me tell you, I want to set some people free today. When you're in Christ, you have nothing to lose, you got nothing to hide, and you've got absolutely nothing to prove. Not a single thing to prove. No tryouts necessary 189 times in the gospels the bible refers to god as father do you know that almost 200 times if there's any picture that god's trying to paint for us on who he is it's the picture of a father so is there any wonder why the number one target of the devil in the earth today is to destroy dad. Because the enemy of your soul knows this, that if he can ruin your relationship 
with your earthly father, then he can hurt your perception of your heavenly father. Some of us have a hard time relating to God as a father because maybe we were abused. Maybe we could never earn that approval. Maybe we were neglected. Maybe your dad was so passive he was not even involved. And and so to say God is a father, it's hard for you to embrace that because maybe your earthly father wasn't what you needed him to be. Hear me. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. God is everything you've ever wanted in a dad and so much more. That's who God is. And we call him Father. And he says, you don't have to try out. You don't have to be good enough to be on my team, to be in my family. Maybe your family tree is all messed up. There's another tree. You can come through another tree. It's called the cross. And dads who embrace Jesus, the unconditional love of a heavenly father, Those are dads who dominate because they know how to give love to their children. Do you believe that today? You know, if if I can close this in any way, here's here's the last thing I want to give you. Dads, if we're going to dominate in this whole thing called life and parenting and family, we got to be committed to the playbook. We got to be committed to this playbook right here. We got to know the plays. God's calling a play. He's given us the game plan right here. If we'll make a commitment to this book, if we'll know the scriptures and plant those things in our hearts, if we'll surrender to the principles of God and stand on the promises of God, if you're committed to the playbook, I've read the back of the book, and I know how this thing turns out. God's saying, maybe you've lost a few battles, but you're going to win the war. Maybe you've come up short in a few games, but the season's not over with. The championship has yet to be played. And as men, if we will commit to the playbook, we'll dominate in life. You know, I couldn't help but think of my own father as I studied for this message. And he grew up in a home where his dad had absolutely nothing to do with him. My grandfather had absolutely nothing to do with my dad. Not one time did my dad ever hear his dad say, Son, I love you. Son, I'm proud of you. Not a single event, activity, or experience that my dad was a part of, his dad was never there. His dad was never there to affirm him. In fact, their family was so broken and so dysfunctional. My grandfather kind of ran around on my grandmother, and he was involved in other relationships, and and so finally, my grandmother put her foot down and said, okay, what's it going to be? Is it going to be this, these other ladies, or is it going to be your son and me? And, well, he, he chose a different way. He chose the ladies. My dad was crushed, felt rejected for a long time. I mean, his life was full of brokenness and dysfunction. And I'm not here to blame any dads that have made mistakes, but I want you to know how he, he got started off on the wrong foot, and he struggled for a long time. But when he got married and my sisters and I, we came along, my dad had a decision to make. He said, you know, there's nothing I can do about my ancestors. I can't change it. But there's definitely something I can do about my descendants. And so my sisters and I, our dad was very much involved in our life. 
And it wasn't because he had a good example. It's because he made a decision that whatever happened in the past, that stuff's going to end with me. It's going to be broken. Whatever generational curses that have hovered over our family, that thing, it stops with me. And my dad made a decision. I want to tell you, dads, you can make a decision too. You can make a decision. doesn't matter where you came from, but it matters where you're going. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-725. 725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-725-